0: What if a grandmother's simple obedience could impact children in a completely different country? We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more. This is the Engaging Missions Show, Episode 190 with Lawana Harris. Welcome
1: to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensignal. Thanks
0: for joining us. Our goal is to equip, challenge, and inspire you to connect, care give, and go. This week, we're going to be talking about simple obedience, about working across cultures, trusting God for resources, the need for literacy, and a whole lot more than that. We're also going to hear from a little bit from Brian Hogan's book, There's a Sheep in My Bathtub. We're going to have some resources available from uh, Global Initiative that are tuned toward helping us engage with Muslims and understand what's going on there. And I have some what I think is really exciting news about an upcoming series. Before we get into our time with our guest today, I do want to say welcome to Braden and Angie. They both recently connected to us on either the email newsletter or Facebook. If you're interested in doing that as well, you can visit the show notes. We'll have links there for uh, the, all those connections. And Braden and Angie, welcome. We're really glad to have you. With that, we're going to transition to our time with Lawana Harris. All right, let's get started. Today, I am so incredibly thankful that we have with us Lawana Harris. She is an author, a motivational speaker, and she's also a missionary to Haiti. She's made a number of trips there where she focuses on providing mobile medical clinics, building orphanages, providing children's ministry evangelism, public health education, And she also does stuff back here in the States. She doesn't just work in Haiti. She's also doing things in terms of like community revitalization and social programs. Now, Luana, that's a lot. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It is totally my pleasure, and I'm wondering, as you filled out that that survey to uh, to share a little bit about how you got started, I was looking through some of the information that you had there, and you mentioned in that that your grandmother was really instrumental in kind of forming the heart that you have for missions. Can you share a little bit about how th- her pouring into your life has led you to where you are?
2: Absolutely. You know, my grandmother was a woman not like any other, and to this day, she's a revered member of the community and i remember as a child vividly her taking on the responsibility of the community to be the hands and feet of christ and it all her extension of of christ's love to the community was expressed in so many ways and one example that sticks out is i remember there not really being a community youth center or any type of children's ministry in the small town where we grew up and my grandmother went she didn't she had you know humble means but again she always had enough to extend herself to others and she bought a an empty cargo van and then she had my uncle to go to a salvage yard and take out the seats of old school buses and he bolted the seats into the van and then I painted the name of the church on the side of the van. Mm. And that was the beginning of a children's ministry right there on the spot. And that's just the kind of woman that she was. We would, we would make corned beef and egg salad sandwiches and bring the children to church and conduct vacation Bible school, Sunday school. And, you know, growing up in that environment where it wasn't, you know, the church wasn't a building that we went to. We were the church.
0: So, so when you think about that, you know, you being the church and how she kind of just noticed a need and then stepped in and did what she could with what she had, how has that then led you into what you're doing now?
2: Using that exact learning from her, taking that legacy that she left, now I go down to serve the people of Haiti. God called me to Haiti as a missionary. Currently, I go down on short-term missions trips annually, and again, it's it's when you're called to go to minister to others, it's all about them. It's all about Christ. It's about the kingdom. So now what I've done is taking my time every year I take my vacation and plan to go down to Haiti with the missions trips. And with the short-term missions, we focused on medical clinics. We focused on building orphanages, literally, with a construction project. I actually learned how to pour concrete on one of the trips <laughs> with Samaritan's Purse. So if you ever need your concrete done, your driveway done, now let me know. So it's been a number of things, and the needs are so great there. So I learned from my grandmother, you just start. And you let God be the provision because, as she would say, where God guides, he provides.
0: That's good stuff. And as it turns out, I actually do need my driveway done, but I'm probably not ready to do that just yet. You mentioned that that, that quote that God provides. Can you share a little bit about how God has provided for you over the years?
2: Oh, there's so many, so many ways. How much time do we have today? (laughs) Wow. So I'll just give you one example. You know, when we think about helping in Haiti and just the unsurmountable needs in a nation that has little to no infrastructure, when I initially began going down to Haiti, honestly, we looked around and, and thought to ourselves, where do we begin? And God had provided for us just wonderful partners and volunteers and it honestly we didn't know how we were going to be able to have enough to be able to give out to the thousands of orphans and school children and we had donations pour in to the amount that we didn't even have the capacity to take it all down mm-hmm. we had to partner with some other churches and ministries to be able to get all of the gifts all of the we were working on a backpack project at that point, and we had to actually share some with other ministries in order to get it all there. So it was just supernaturally, we've seen God just open doors and just pour out gifts as we needed it, not only the gifts themselves, but also with finances.
0: Well, that, that's just such an amazing picture of God's abundance that He provides. A blessing to you to be a blessing to others, that that overflow is the abundance that he provides for, for his body and for the world at large. Now, I am wondering about that. Were you pushing specifically for some things or did this sort of stuff just kind of magically show up? What was going on there?
2: Yeah, we were actually working on a backpack drive because, as you know, or may, may be aware, there's no public school system in Haiti at all. So all of the children that go to school have to pay tuition. And you think about Haiti being the, you know, most impoverished nation, the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere. And then you think about education only being available through paid tuition. So the need is enormous when it comes to school supplies, when it comes to backpacks and books and those kinds of things. And so that's what we were working on. We had a backpack drive and we actually packed the book bags with, you know, we had specific materials and we had more than we can use. We really did, so we actually had to have the overflow shared with other ministries to be able to be transported down. Only God wow, can
0: wow. Do- oh my goodness, that's amazing! And I didn't mean to cut you off. Was there more to go with that?
2: No, I was just going to say only only God can do that. When you talk about a, pouring out a blessing that you don't have room for, we literally saw yeah. that. <laughs>
0: That, that's incredible. And I guess I'm a little bit embarrassed to say I didn't actually know that Haiti didn't have public education. And, and I'm thinking about that a little bit. Is, is it something where the Haitians see the value of the education and they simply can't afford to get the education?
2: It, it goes back to what I said earlier with the lack of infrastructure. They, it's, well, it's a, it's a number of things. It's a myriad of, of ways that you could look at it. However, I would say the most glaring would be the lack of infrastructure as well as, unfortunately, there's been a long history of corruptions and you know changes in government and those types of things. So as it stands, there's no public education offered and all the students have to pay tuition in order to go to school. So on top of The poverty that's there, when you have those that are looking for education, looking to really use education to break the cycle of poverty, then it it is kind of a cycle that unfortunately for many, it doesn't afford for children to be able to attend school. So that's where specifically my efforts are focused towards combating illiteracy and we have a number of children's books now that we're taking down. They have been translated into Haitian Creole, and that's where our efforts are focusing currently, specifically eradicating illiteracy and breaking the cycle of poverty.
0: Well, wow, I, I really, I just want to say, I really appreciate that, that you're doing that because it, it's that education, right, that provides the opportunity for for the poverty cycle to be broken, I I realize it's more than that. It's an act of God as well. But on a practical level, if we just start showing up with money, what we do is we create dependency. And what you're working on is that sufficiency. And so I I really appreciate that. Now, we've been focused quite a bit, actually, on Haiti, and we haven't spent much time talking about you. I'm wondering, as you think about your life and your ministry, are there any, is there maybe a meaningful quote or a foundational scripture that you go back to?
2: Absolutely. You know, I, I think about... The fact that my life, the life that I live is no longer mine. You know, my life belongs to Christ. It's Christ that lives in me. So because of that, the full surrender of what his will is, what he wants to do in the kingdom, how he wants to express his love to the nation of Haiti, that that is my foundation. That's the essence of my ministry to Haiti. Lord, here I am. Full surrender. Have your way. And let me be the hands and feet of Christ and your expression of love to the nation while I'm there.
0: That's really powerful. How do you then live that out?
2: It really takes living dead. That's one of my greatest resources Mm. that I, I really depend on when it comes to a mindset around missions is I die to self and I live in Christ. So giving of my will, my desires, what I would want, how I would like to have things done. Living it out means every day getting before God, laying before him in prayer, listening to what he would say and how the Holy Spirit would guide and just yielding, yielding to whatever the Holy Spirit is leading, leading for the, the country of Haiti. But then also what about my myself looking internally to see what way spiritually do I need to grow and feed and nourish my spirit so that I can minister and be effective when I'm there in Haiti.
0: Again, really, really powerful stuff. You mentioned listening, getting, getting with God and listening. Has God been showing you or teaching you anything over the last few months or perhaps the last year?
2: Absolutely. You know, I'm not sure if you've seen the movie war room yet. Have you seen that movie? I have not. Yes. So I mentioned that movie because I actually have a a physical war room and uh, I've actually had a war room long before the movie, but it's it's just my area of prayer where I really just speak to God and write down and journal what I hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I spend a lot of time listening, not only lifting up petitions of prayer to God, because we know that he hears our petition and he'll answer our prayers, but also a lot of time listening to what the Holy Spirit would say. And what I hear the Holy Spirit saying now is that we, we're seeing some troubled times, not only in those impoverished countries and those countries that are not as blessed, I, I guess, I wouldn't say blessed, but are not as advanced as some others. We're seeing you know troubled times all around the world. And we're to be the salt and light as never before. And it's a time that God has said for us to step up and let our light shine. We don't hide it under a bushel. We need to be that salt and light as never before, and we can't back down. We can't have a drawback spirit. We have to be bold for Christ and proclaim the good news so that folks know that there's hope, even in these perilous times that we're facing.
0: And so knowing that, has that changed what you're doing or how you're doing anything with as it relates to, to Haiti and, and what you see that's coming right now?
2: Yes. Actually, I have this year, I heard a call from God to really focus on taking the ministry with books and education and eradicating illiteracy to another level. And when God spoke to me, what he wanted me to do this year as a part of our ministry to Haiti, I honestly, I said, really? Because it really stretched me beyond my comfort level and my comfort Mm. zone. And I said, okay, God, If you tell me this is what you want me to do, and this is the ministry and the way you want us to minister to Haiti in 2017, yes, I know that you will provide. So he gave me, he prompted me through the Holy Spirit to give 10,000 books to the orphanages and children of Haiti. So we recently launched a 10,000 books for Haiti campaign, and there are a series of parties that takes place For Christmas, and for some of the children in the orphanages, it's the one and only time that they get to leave the walls of their facility. Mm. And we have a birthday party for Jesus, and there's a puppet show in Haitian Creole, and then we're going to donate books in Haitian Creole that tell a beautiful story of how everyone is unique created by God with a special purpose, and that they're perfect just as they are. So that's the ministry focus for this year. And and God really stretched, you know, my comfort zone with 10,000 being the number. But again, I know that he's going to provide as he has every time before.
0: Wow. I'm so glad I asked that question because I'm wondering if maybe some people that are listening might be interested in also being a part of that. If they are, is there a way for them to join in this?
2: Yes. We are already on the 10,000 books for Haiti campaign. It's already live on Facebook. They'll be able to find it there or they could go to directly to jadenisrael.com and they'll be able to find the details there as well.
0: Okay, yeah. And for those listening, we'll be we'll be sure to have that linked up in the show notes so that you'll be able to do that if you're interested. With that, we are going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit more toward the ministry. I'd like to take just a minute to tell you about another podcast that I think that you should check out. If you enjoy the Engaging Missions show, you definitely want to check out the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland. He's been a guest on the show, he's a friend of the show, and he's just recently finished up a series where he was on location in Thailand talking with some missionaries there about leadership. I thought it was a really, really interesting discussion. You can check that out at fxmissions.com. I think it's worth your time to at least give it a second to check it out. All right, we're back with Lawana Harris. She's been sharing some of the amazing stuff that she has going on. She's also shared a little bit about her history and a way that you can partner with her if you want to help provide books for Haitians, which I I think is a great thing. Now, as we shift our focus more toward the ministry, we're going to take a little bit of a turn here. Luana, as, as I think about what you're doing right now, I would imagine that there was also a journey that led you here, that God called you and you recognized that, and then he took you on a path to get you here. Can you share a little bit about how you got started doing what you're doing?
2: Absolutely. I had been working in the U.S. in domestic missions for quite some time. And I literally, in, in one of my quiet times in prayer, I felt the, the Holy Spirit prompting me to go to Haiti for foreign missions. And at that point, to be honest, I didn't know really much at all about Haiti or about the needs in Haiti. I just felt an unction from the Holy Spirit that I needed to go and serve the people of Haiti. And not too long after that, I went to church. And when I say not too long, I mean a week later, Hmm. I went to church and they announced that the church was going to have its first missions trip to Haiti. And I'm thinking, Really? <laughs> you know, could it be more clear? So, you know, I said, OK, God, I ha- I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit first. Then I come to church and they mentioned so they were going to have an information meeting for anyone who may want to go for short term missions. And, you know, the rest is history from there. I went to the meeting and learned about Haiti. And and that's where my journey, my journey began.
0: I would imagine even on that journey, as you're learning about the trip and prob- probably going through some level of training, raising funds, things like that, that God took you through some stuff. Were there any unexpected things that happened on that first trip?
2: Oh, my goodness. It, it, just about everything was unexpected <laughs> Happened there. Because, again, when you talk about a third world country with, with little to no infrastructure, nothing happens as planned. It really doesn't. And so Murphy's Law is the law. And so when we, we one of the things that sticks out the most is when we got there, we had had a chance to gather a number of items to take down, to be a blessing to the, to those that we would serve at the orphanages and at the schools, as well as we were running some revivals and there was a, a heavy focus on evangelism. So all of those things that we had gathered, toiletries and different things for the, for the folks, when we got there, we were so happy because we had negotiated great rates with FedEx and different shipping companies and things and gotten it there. And then it, a lot of the materials were confiscated mm. and some were taken to customs and they asked for fees that were more than any amount that we had you know, ever heard of, hundreds of dollars. And so that was a little disappointing and very unexpected. And we were able to partner with one of the local pastors and we were able to get some of the items back, but it wasn't all of the items. And what seemed as a setback, it actually turned out to be a blessing because with all of that happening and partnering with that local pastor, we were actually able to minister even more than we would have because of the partnership with that local pastor. So again, the gifts themselves and some of the in-kind items that we brought, they were taken by some folks that just weren't looking to do the right thing. But God used that situation to open the door for ministry. And we baptized hundreds of folks by connecting with that local Haitian pastor.
0: Wow, that, that's amazing. And it makes me wonder now, you, you've been to Haiti a bunch of times. It's kind of an ongoing thing for you now. Are there any local organizations that you typically partner with in Haiti, or do you kind of just do it all by yourself? How, how does that work?
2: Yes. So we always partner. There's two levels to partnering in Haiti. The okay. first one is we always partner with a local pastor. Because you want someone who is able to communicate and has that cultural sensitivity and is led by the Holy Spirit, as you know, or may have heard that in Haiti, there's also a lot of voodoo Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of corruption and things that happen. So you really need someone there who is local. And we always partner with a local Haitian pastor, no matter what. And in addition to that, from the U.S., I've partnered with Samaritan's Purse which is led by Franklin Graham. Mm -hmm. And we actually, that's the orphanage where I learned how to pour concrete, the Greta Academy. And I'm also a chaplain with the BGEA, which is the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And then most recently, we've been partnering with Grace International, which is with Bishop and Madam June.
0: Wow, that's a lot of organizations. And then I'm also thinking here in the States, you also do domestic missions. You're involved with social justice and things like that. And you're an author, a motivational speaker. You've got a couple of balls in the air. How do you keep track of everything?
2: I have a wonderful team of, of people that help keep all the balls in the air. And they also, we also are all spirit filled, and we we pray and we ask for direction. So, if we had to to keep all the balls in the air with our own strength, trust me, the the ground would be covered with balls right about now. (laughs) So, one of it one one piece is a wonderful team, and I I just cherish all of them. They're smart, talented, and most importantly, they love the Lord and are led by the Spirit. So, it takes a village to keep all those balls in the air.
0: Well, wow, that that's that's great, and, and I'm glad you you mentioned that because I think a lot of times there are teams behind people and we don't necessarily know that maybe, you know, it's not that we're looking for glory for the people behind you know the the people on the team, but it's good to know that sometimes what we think is one person doing it is actually a bunch of people working together. So I appreciate that. I think I'm going to know the answer to the next question, but I want to ask it because I've been wrong before. Has there ever been a time when you felt stuck or unsure what to do next? And then how did God work in and through that time?
2: Yes, absolutely. Many times. Where, you know, you you feel stuck, you don't really know what to do, and you're just seeking God for direction and also to make sure that you're hearing him very clearly. And one of those times was when we were planning for a trip and there were some what they call manifestations Mm. in Haiti where there were some protests because of the upcoming election. And we had, you know, all systems go, we're ready to go on the trip. You know, you prepare you prepare for these trips when you come back from from the trip. So literally you come back from one trip, you begin preparing for the next trip. And if you're going annually, that's a full year of preparation. So we had all systems go. We were about a week out and then we heard about some of the political protest. And it was pretty dangerous. We also heard that there were some kidnappings of missionaries Mm. and it did so happen that there was a calming. And again, this is through the local pastor, you know, yes or no, because he's the one who's there and can say, is it safe to come or should we postpone the trip? So we were right up to the time. We were about two days out and they gave the green light that yes, we should come. And we did go down for the missions trip and we were working through some evangelism, working with the local community, working with some of the children in the orphanage. And while we were there, there was a missionary there from Miami who was robbed and killed. Mm. And that shook us to the core. It really did, because we had gone back and forth about whether we should go. And then the green light came for us to go and serve. And while we were there, there was a missionary that was shot and killed from Florida. So that really took a lot of, I don't know, it it just kind of took the wind out of the team. And we had to come together and pray and seek the Lord and try to understand how, you know, that can happen for someone who's given of themselves to come and serve and then to be killed. So, while we felt stuck at the time, and it, it was especially hard because we were there in Haiti, it wasn't like we were back in the U.S. and hearing about it, not that that would have made a difference when there's a loss of life, but it mm. just it just was different to actually be there in the country as a missionary and to hear that that happened in Port-au-Prince. We were down in Leogon, and the incident happened in Port-au-Prince. So what we did is we got before the Lord in prayer, we came together as a team and we praised the Lord for his goodness and knowing that there will be things that we don't understand and we don't understand exactly why they happen and we can't really put an explanation on it in the natural, but we trust God in the spirit regardless. So through prayer, we also had some fasting And we also talked, we talked about it practically. We talked about safety. We did stay in for the next day. We didn't go out. And then we talked about safety measures, additional safety measures for the remainder of the trip from the natural standpoint. But we pressed on in the faith and we did complete the rest of the mission trip. And of course, we lifted the missionary that was killed in prayer. And coming out of that, it could have stopped us, all of us, you know, We could have allowed the enemy to say, whoa, this is too dangerous, you know, see what happened, but it didn't. It strengthened our faith to say, where evil abounds, grace abounds even more. So we just thank God and we we kept forward, but it was a very hard time.
0: Well, you know, I'm I'm really glad that you shared that last scripture because that's kind of where I've, what I've been thinking about as you've been sharing this, because it's been my experience that many times when there's a challenge getting somewhere or where there's something difficult coming, that a lot of times that's just the struggle before God does something amazing to reveal himself. And and while I recognize that right now we see with imperfect eyes, we see, you know, we, we see things imperfectly, but a lot of times we get these glimpses of what God's doing. Did you see God do anything powerful while you were there?
2: Absolutely. There was, as I said, there's a voodoo is very prevalent in Haiti and there were a number of manifestations of evil spirits that were cast out there was praise and worship with the with the local workers that were there and we were told that that level of participation in praise and worship they hadn't seen that at all because they were working to employ some of the local members of the community and so they were not Christians. They had not really been exposed to the gospel and they came together and that worship, you would think they had been worshiping God all their lives. We had no idea. Mm. They just explained that to us. And then there were souls that were saved every night at service. The Lord touched hearts and Leogon has been called one of the voodoo cap- uh, capitals because of all the voodoo temples that are there. And it was also the epicenter of where the quake happened. So there was a lot of healing that needed to take place in that community. And God just showed himself miraculously.
0: That, that is amazing. And I've got a bit of a challenge for you. We've got just a couple of minutes before we take our next break. And I'm wondering, there's a lot of stuff that can, you know, a lot of things that can go wrong. There are a lot of challenges. There are hard times. There's frustration sometimes. When things get tough, what is it that keeps you going?
2: Is my faith and the Word of god the the Word of God truly is life, and it is medicine to my soul. so when I go there's all, I ask the Lord to speak to my heart and show me let the Holy Spirit bring to my remembrance a scripture that addresses the the situation that we're in. So when we were in need and and there were times when we would run out of food when we were there and it's so hard to get supplies and so far to be able to go and replenish your supplies. And and I would just I would just say it out loud. You know what? My God makes all grace abound toward me Hmm. so that I have an all sufficiency may abound to every good work. And every time God would fulfill the need in a miraculous way.
0: Wow, that is good stuff. With that, we are going to take one more quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus one last time more toward the listeners.
1: Absolutely. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission show. You know, it's funny. I was having this conversation just last night as I was receiving life coaching and recalled an instance in 1995 when I was in India, one of my few first mission trips. Someone told me, make sure God always uses you because of you, not in spite of you. And I tried and I tried and I tried, and it seemed (laughs) at my wit's end, or at those moments when my abilities were overcome by my inabilities, that's when I realized, wow, there's some sort of breakthrough that's happened. And I could give instances of those, but sometimes I'm a hero, oftentimes I'm a failure. I think that's really the conundrum that is taking place within the hearts and minds of missionaries cross-culturally all over the world. You have this passion to do something great for God, but you know you're simply a cracked vessel, a jar of clay, and thankfully God's all-surpassing power is permeated you and therefore flowing out of you to a world in the sphere of influence around you. If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe.
0: All right. We're back with Lawana Harris. I I just, you know, as we were on the break, I was just sharing that I so appreciated what she shared about, you know, what God did in that community when they had such a difficult time getting there and all of the challenges that went into that, because it just refreshes me. It encourages me that God is at work in the middle of all of this stuff. Now, LaWanna, as we turn our focus more toward our listeners the first question I have for you is, if somebody's listening to this, they're connecting at a heart level with what you're sharing. They maybe have a heart for Haiti, but they they don't necessarily know what to do next. Is there an opportunity for them to partner with you?
2: Yes, absolutely. We will be going back to Haiti in December And our focus will be on the birthday parties for Jesus, where we have a puppet show in Haitian Creole. And you don't have to speak Creole because there will be folks that will do the narration. We actually just man the puppets and we'll also be distributing gifts and meals to last year. It was 10,000 children. So many hands make light work. If you would love, like to go, please reach out. We would love to have you. You don't have to have any prior experience, just a heart for ministry and a love for Christ.
0: That's great. And, you know, you mentioned no, no experience necessary, heart for ministry, love for Christ. If somebody's kind of sitting on the, the fence with this or not quite sure, is there something that you'd share with them that they could go, okay, yeah, this is for me or maybe it's not?
2: Yes, yeah, there are a number of resources and you can take a look for each country, the needs for the country, the current environment. There's a number of places you can, you can actually look up. Live Dead is a great resource that you can research various countries. You can take a look at the prayer needs. And also for those that would like to go with us in December, we actually have some trainings. So we'll have a number of meetings we'll talk through what to what to expect we'll share previous stories from our missions trips, so there'll be an ongoing process up until we actually leave in december
0: Good stuff now if you if you were talking with somebody who's maybe in business or in ministry and they're starting to wonder if they're maybe stuck or they're maybe what they're doing doesn't really matter, what would you share with them in that situation?
2: One is that Romans eight twenty eight is not just words on a page. Mm-hmm. That logos word is rhema and it, all things. God causes all things to work for our good. When we look around, there are always opportunities to share the gospel and to be that salt and light that we're called to be, even in the marketplace. That's the one piece that there may be some ministry opportunities in the marketplace, every day on the way to the cof- coffee shop, all those things, even in traffic, being that salt and light and just demonstrating grace mm. while while in traffic. and But and then making the transition to actually going into missions and ministry, God's timing is perfect. He knows exactly when and where to give us that point of entry into ministry. So no matter what it seems like, it may be delayed or may taking too long. I promise you, if you trust God and when we trust God, you'll see when he opens that door, when he knocks on the door of your heart and says, OK, it's time to come. That timing, when you look at it in retrospect, will be perfect.
0: Wow, you, you totally nailed me with that whole being salt and light in uh, traffic. That's a bit of a struggle for me sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> probably a little bit of something else. You, you also mentioned missions and ministry. And I think that sometimes people are looking for ministry opportunities that are maybe a little bit further ahead or further out from where they are. And maybe, maybe sometimes miss things that are close to home or sort of right in front of them. Are there opportunities that you see that people often miss?
2: All the time, you know, because we're busy and, and life is just at a faster pace than it's ever been. It's like, we're the most connected that we've ever been through technology and social media. And then you know it's an interesting dichotomy because we're also the least connected in some regards because we're we're so connected to the devices and the technology that we're sometimes not as connected to the people and individuals. So it's really just I try to start every day asking God for a divine assignment, and then not only for the assignment, I think we we really have to ask God not only give me a divine assignment to be a blessing to someone else, but then help me to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading so that if we're on our way throughout the day, and there's someone who's really down battling depression really needs to hear the word of God, or even just an, an encouraging word, or quite honestly, maybe they just need someone to listen. And sometimes believe it or not, There are so many people that just need to be greeted with a smile and ask how they're doing and sincerely mean it. So when we talk about those opportunities for and divine assignments, they could be simple acts of kindness throughout the day because God's word said that one plant, one waters, but it's God that gives the increase. So it doesn't have to be, you know, a sermon on the Mount with fire and brimstone. Sometimes it's just the the simplest gestures of kindness that can pave the way for God to pierce someone's heart with the gospel.
0: I so appreciate that. And and I guess here's my encouragement for, for you as a listener, based on what Luana shared. You might be ministering to people right now and just not know that you're being the hands and feet of Christ. So maybe, maybe just take a little bit more intentionality with that. Now, Luana, is there a book or a resource that you'd like to recommend for our listeners?
2: Absolutely. I mentioned Live Dead earlier. Mm-hmm. And I can't say enough about their ministry and just some of the ways that it opens our our eyes and our understanding. So I highly recommend the Live Dead 30-Day Journal, which is a very, very profound prayer journal that helps us to understand what God is calling for for missions. And then also Operation World by Jason Mandrick is also a great book as well. And when I mentioned being able to look up the the various countries, the prayer needs that are there, you you can take that book and begin to really be an intercessor for a country before you ever step foot there.
0: That's good. How can we best pray for you?
2: I would say really just prayer for discernment and understanding what it is that God wants, continues to want to done in Haiti, what it is that he wants for the kingdom and his vision, and that with that discernment, just the ability to, again, pull together the wonderful team that's working with us so that we'll be able to give God glory in everything we do.
0: That's really great. Would you share one thing or challenge us to do one thing in the next seven days?
2: Absolutely. I challenge the listeners to go before God and ask him, what is it that you want me to do in this season? And listen until he answers. Write down what he says in your journal and then make a commitment to take a step towards what he spoke to you in your spirit within the next 30 days.
0: Wow. Good stuff. For those of you listening, we will make sure that we have everything linked up. We'll have links, resources, ways that you can connect with Luana in the show notes. That'll be at engagingmissions.com slash Luana Harris. Loana, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's my privilege.
0: We've heard a little bit about how Luana Harris got started with what she's doing in Haiti and some of the things that went into that Now we're shifting our focus to Brian Hogan as his family is preparing to enter Mongolia. He's reading from his book, There's a Sheep in My Bathtub, and we're joining him hours after they had anticipated being able to get their visas so that they could enter Mongolia. It turns out they arrived during a holiday, and now Brian has been back for a while. It's even hours after he's anticipated being allowed in the second time they've been worshiping and praying. Now the question is, will he ever actually see the ambassador? And when he does, or if he
3: does, what will happen next? At six o'clock, after two and a half hours wait inside the embassy, the ambassador of Mongolia appeared through a doorway, supported by two friends equally hungover in pain. He took his seat at the desk vacated by the intercom guy. Our group quickly lined up to meet him. Gentlemen, I am not feeling well and my head hurts from too much, he rasped, clicking his forefinger against his throat in what was clearly sign language for drinking. He managed a smile both sly and wry. You will please present your documents, invitation, and return airline tickets. I will issue you visas if all is in order. And please, talk quietly. His friends left the room. I noticed a boy of about ten, whom I assumed was his son, standing beside the ambassador. This kid was doing all the stamping and the passports for his father. I noticed everyone except me had availed themselves of the visa application forms stacked just out of eyeshot from the chair I had just vacated. I got out of the short line and frantically began filling in the five forms we needed. Juggling passports and transcribing numbers, dates, flight info, and remembering everyone's birth date was keeping me busy but not too busy to realize I was in trouble. So here's
0: Brian. He's been waiting hours and hours and hours. And now when it's time to see the ambassador, he realizes that he's not actually prepared because he didn't see the necessary paperwork. So he's scrambling to get that stuff together. And even if and when he does, that doesn't necessarily mean that the ambassador will stamp his passports, grant his visas, all of that kind of stuff. So the question now becomes, will he get done in time? And if he does, what's going to happen next? Come back next week when we're going to continue this story of what God did to get Brian Hogan and his family into Mongolia as he reads from his book. As we've been listening to Brian Hogan share his story, you may have noticed that there can be some idiosyncrasies as you're working in a different culture, something that you're you're not originally from. And you know, those same kinds of things can actually happen even in our own countries when we're working with and talking with people from our own culture, because sometimes things that we say might mean something different. That's why we're continuing to focus on providing resources and connection points so that you, as you're working with Muslims or talking with them, that you have a foundation for a, a deep and meaningful conversation that might just turn into a gospel conversation. These resources are available from Global Initiative. You can find them at com slash resources. Today we're going to talk about what Muslims believe about the prophets of Allah. I don't think it's any surprise to us that Muslims do believe in prophets. They refer to Muhammad as the prophet of Allah. What might be surprising to some of us is that they actually view Jesus as a prophet as well. In fact, the Quran references him as the word of Allah, or what they would call the word of God. However, that doesn't mean that they recognize that Jesus is divine or part of the triune Godhead, if you will, because that that's actually not what they believe. However, knowing that they do view Jesus as, as a prophet, and knowing that the Quran does reference Jesus as the word of God— might give us a point of conversation where we can reference that, you know, that Jesus came down and is that word for us, and might give us a point of conversation. We we may continue to differ in what we believe about that, but it can become a point of conversation that might just lead someone who is searching for a deeper relationship to investigate Jesus, to investigate the Bible, to begin to pray and receive revelation from the Holy Spirit that would actually lead them to Christ, and that's why we're doing this. I am in the middle of a fundraiser for Global Initiative. I'm hoping and praying that God will provide $4,000 to help continue providing the resources that they do, sending them on the trips, providing the training equipping the body of Christ to reach Muslims for the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. If you'd like to know more about that fundraiser or perhaps even contribute or join us in this, visit engagingmissions.com slash fund 16. That has some information about Global Initiative as well as what we're doing with the fundraiser. That's engagingmissions.com slash fund and the number 16. I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that I had some exciting news, and I wanted to take just a second to share that with you. As you may know, if you've subscribed to the show, that – I have a series coming up on short-term missions. I'm reaching out to missionaries to have them come in and share their thoughts and their perspectives. And I'm just overwhelmed with the response that I've gotten from missionaries and church planters who are interested in sharing their stories and their experiences. And I'm thinking this is just going to be an incredible thing. So for those of you who reached out and who have said you're interested or who have helped spread the word, I just want to say thank you. Uh, I'm still working on how this format's going to work because, man, I've had an incredible response. But keep your eyes open for that. I think this is going to be a great series coming up in a few weeks. Thanks to Luana Harris for being with us, Brian Hogan for making his book available, and Global Initiative for making their resources available to us as well. Show notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash harris. That's L-A-W-A-N-A-H-A-R-R-I-S. Engagingmissions.com slash harris. Make sure you check out those show notes. They look, in, at least in my opinion, I think they look great, and I continue to look for ways to deliver even more value when you visit those show notes pages. Make sure you come back next week. We're going to be hearing from David Joannis, about smuggling Bibles into China, about what God's doing to raise up local leaders, and a whole lot more in, in that episode as well. Subscribe to the show by visiting slash subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And if you have any feedback or suggestions for the show, please email those to feedback at engagingmissions.com.
1: Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.